Is it recording now? Yep. Good. Thank you. Where'd Brett go? Huh? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, okay. Finally getting on his level up there, huh? <laughs> I didn't say that, Tara. I really did not say that. Let's, uh, let's begin by asking God's blessing, not only on the reading of his word this morning, but on the words that you're about to hear from Revelation 13. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for this opportunity we have to share your word and ask your blessings upon us. We pray for wisdom. We pray for guidance uh, that you might strengthen us in, in all that we read, that we hear today, and that we study today. Uh, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful book. It's, a, it's an inspiring book, but it's also all filled at times. And so if you would, Lord, just help us to be able to uh, maybe bring to light even just a little bit more than what folks knew previously about Revelation 13. Would you guide us to that end, please? Hide me behind the cross, and may the words come from your Holy Spirit from my mouth. But may the words that are heard by each individual today be words that they need to hear, that they need to be able to understand more fully this book. So guide us to that end, we ask you in Jesus' name. Okay, we're going to be reading Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 10 this morning. If you would stand with me as I read God's inspired word. And here's where John writes to us. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have had a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming His name and His dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name was not written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear... Let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. May God bless us with the reading and the understanding of this his word to our hearts and our minds this day. And amen. You may be seated. Thank you. We talked a, a few weeks ago about another who wore diadems and had ten horns and, and all. Remember who that was? It was the red dragon in uh, Revelation chapter 12. And we pretty well deemed that dragon to be Satan. Let me stop right there. One thing that I, as I was reading that I thought that it might be a good idea to be able to help 
kind of keep everything in proper perspective here. If you've got pencil and paper, I'd take notes because there's a lot here to absorb, but there's a lot of parallel, and there's going to be a few what I would consider to be aha moments in this to where you can kind of bring things together a little bit more. So write down if you, if you can. Um, if you can, if you'd like a copy of this sermon, I'll be glad to send you one. Um, it would not have all my notes or the little side scribbles and all that kind of stuff I have in it. You wouldn't be able to read those anyway. But uh, if you want to go a little bit more in depth in this particular chapter, this, every, every single last chapter in, in Revelation is important, okay? But this one is kind of a critical stage here in my opinion. Okay, anyway, with that being said, some, some believe that the I in verse 1 may need to be translated as he. What difference would that make? Well, the he then would in all likelihood be Satan, Bringing the beast out of the sea. That's one way of looking at it. The other way, as we have seen many times before, John is observing all of these events taking place. So it may be that he is saying, I, meaning himself, is observing this also. It's not a big difference, I don't think. But it may, uh, some may disagree with me on that. But I think that that is, is the way, the two possibilities that we're looking at there. But I want to look at this description of this beast that just came out of the sea. And before we even do that, let's look at where the beast was coming from. The sea, okay? The sea is oftentimes symbolized as a great group of people. So to that end, it might make sense that it was a person who had, was coming from a great multitude or out of a great Multitude, whatever that might look like. Greek term, out of the sea, is actually defined as out from the sea, as out from a group of things, okay? A group of fill-in-the-blank, you could say. One commentator I read said that the beast was both a political power and a person. Well, that narrows it down, doesn't it? Another said that it was a latter-day segment of the Roman Empire with the Antichrist coming out of that last segment. Both of those thoughts could be true if you look at the term out of a group of whatever it might be, people, things, or whatever. But the Roman Empire and all, I don't know about that. Guys far smarter than me thought that stuff up, and, and, but I still, I just I don't see it. Anyway, on top of that, some say the second beast is the Antichrist. The second beast, now get that, is the Antichrist. However, if you look at 1 John 2.22, see from the writer just who the Antichrist really is. It is he who denies father and son. That presents a rather interesting set of circumstances as to who or what the Antichrist talked about in Revelation might be. Furthermore, look at 1 John uh, 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming. Antichrist here is the enemy of Christ and the enemy of every believer in Jesus, period. 
Antichrist in that context can be a person. It could be a group. To that end, it could even be a thing. Antichrist is a deceiver. Look at Matthew 24, verse 24 for further proof. It's difficult not to tie these two beasts together, though. But I'm going to do my best to end this discussion right here and let the second beast be discussed later. What I want to do is go into the first two and a half, maybe three verses to start here of chapter 13 to kind of break down what the beast was about, or try to at least. The beast, or in the Greek translation, wild beast, had ten horns and seven heads. Ten diadems and blasphemous names on its seven heads. It was like a leopard. Its feet were like bear's paws. It had a mouth like a lion's mouth. One of the seven heads had what looked like a mortal wound on it. Yet that wound looked to be healed. This is a very critical point, okay? Remember that part. Maybe we could say it had a scar of some sort signifying this mortal wound. What that might have looked like, I really could not say. Again, my goal here is not to give you answers that have never been given before. I can't do that. I'm not that smart. But to help you decipher as much of this information so that it is easier the next time you read Revelation, and I think you should read it and not be afraid of it, but be able to at least determine some of what's being said that is within our grasp. I want you to be able to read this book, as I know the rest of the elders do. We want you to read this book with confidence, not being afraid of it, but being willing to try to tackle it and learn and grow from it as much as we possibly can. Yeah, there's going to be things that are way beyond our scope, But there's also going to be some things that we can kind of tie, that we can get our our hands on to and be able to grasp those things. That's what we're looking to do here. And we know that there's so many different levels within this church in terms of spiritual maturity. We get that. We're trying to keep this as low level as we possibly can so that everyone can have a, a, a starting point and at least be able to discuss more fully what we're talking about. If you're not looking at the questions that we have each and every week, do so. If you're in a micro group, I know you're going to discuss those things. But please, read, go beyond what we're hearing just on Sunday morning, okay? And look at these questions and try to come to some terms with them for yourself. And if not, call one of us and we'll be glad to discuss it with you further. Okay, that's all I'm going to go. Now, we're going to get a comparison now. Here's Daniel 7, okay? Sounds very similar to the fourth beast that we see in Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8. Could be argued here at this juncture, God is letting Satan roam freely upon the earth. Some have said that the Satan might be, this might be Satan's finest and last moment to shine. If you look at the second half of verse 2, the dragon, this description tells me that the dragon, again... This may allude to who is being spoken to about in verse 1, the I, or it may not. The dragon, as it states in verse 2, gave his power, his throne, and his great authority to the beast. It's important you can see a difference between this wild beast that came out of the sea 
and what that from what might be people of the earth and the dragon, two separate entities here. On top of that, remember now, the beast had seven diadems. A diadem is a jeweled crown worn as a symbol of power and sovereignty. Are you with me so far? I hope you are. The dragon has, has given over his throne of power and authority to this beast. Now, as I see this, Satan the dragon is kind of laying back and allowing the beast to take control of things here. Some believe that this might be the Antichrist. It is possible, looking back at Daniel 7, again, that out of this fourth beast we mentioned a second ago came ten horns, but out of one of those ten came a little horn, okay? Now, that horn, as it was said in Daniel 7, verse 8, came a horn that had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. This description is going to be similar in comparison to what the beast is going to be doing if indeed that is truly the Antichrist. I'm going to tell you right here, and I said this a couple of weeks ago because I let my wife read that sermon. Well, this one tops that one, okay? This has got to be some of the most intense study for a sermon I think that I have ever done. Just trying to make things make sense for, for myself first. Because if I, don't, if I can't make sense of it, I sure can't make sense of it for y'all. No offense to anybody, but I mean, I just, I can't. If I don't know what I'm talking about, and chances are y'all have heard me not know what I'm talking about from up here. Uh, I, I, again, I, I want you all to have the most confidence that you can in reading this and knowing that some of this may be true, some of it may be just what we, what we perceive. I, I don't know, but I can tell you, trying to make sense of some of this... Um, it's got to be the most stressful attempt at writing sermons that I think I have ever, I have ever done. So, y'all know a little bit more about me then. Anyway, so we're trying to just understand a little more fully here, okay? So in summary, again, summary this time, we have potentially Satan, the dragon, as has been established previously in chapter 12. We know this to be fact, or as much truth as we can. Watching a wild beast come out of a possible sea of people, of things, or whatever, still left on earth. Excluding the descriptions of the horns and all, we can gather that the dragon gave his power, throne, and authority over to this wild beast. For a time, at least. And we think that the beast may be Possibly be, arguably could be, the Antichrist. Now this is in verses 1 through 3. If you look at the end of verse 3 and verse 4, there is a tie-in again to Daniel chapter 7. This time verses 21 and 25. In this case, I believe Daniel might help fill in some of the blanks here for you. The end of verse 3 and 4 say this. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like this beast, and who can fight against it? Okay? Consider what's been said here. Remember what the definition of Antichrist is. One who is against Jesus, the enemy of Christ, 
One who comes out against God. Now, look at Daniel 7, verse 21 and 25. Remember what we said a minute ago about the parallel between the beast and this little horn that was found in Daniel. Chapter 7, verse 8 of Daniel. See, verse 21, as I look, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the ancient of days came. Verse 25, he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Stop here for a second. The saints talked about are those who follow God. Those who are believers in Christ. The ancient of days and the most high are one and the same. That's God. A time is one year. Times, plural, is two years. And half a time is half a year. In other words, three and a half years or... 42 months is what Daniel 7.25 is alluding to. All right. Look at Revelation 13.5. It speaks of 42 months. That was, as we see in verse 5, the length of time that the beast was given to spew his haughty and blasphemous words and to exercise his authority over the people of the earth. Is that a coincidence? It could be. I'm not so sure it is. Okay, let's go back to the wild beast. Now coming back out of whatever sea it'll be coming forth from and look a little bit more deeply. He has ten horns. If you look at Revelation 17 verse 12, you'll see that the beast with ten horns and and what those horns could represent. They could represent ten kings who have not yet receive power, but they will receive authority as kings for one hour acting alongside the beast. Remember now, as we've only been talking about one beast, this wild beast that was brought forth by the red dragon, Satan. Also, one other thing to remember, because I know this must be pretty confusing to some. No matter how all this works out, who is removed from the earth and who isn't, No matter what order all of this stuff takes place, whether it's sequential or however it may all happen, one thing remains clear above all other things. None of this, and I underscore none of this, has any effect on the gospel. The gospel is the gospel, period. I had to say that right now because it is not easy to keep up with this stuff and yet that is the one constant we have got to remember throughout this entire study now according to my main source in this sermon he breaks all of this down concerning the seven heads by saying they could represent seven Roman Empire heads or emperors could be seven forms of government could be seven great nations that were in their power after all this was written but all that was several centuries ago Honestly, and again, some may disagree with me. I I don't really think it matters. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. Do notice, though, that the red dragon had seven heads, as did this wild beast. Whether there is a parallel there or not, I couldn't tell you. 
In the grand scheme of things, I just could not tell you. However, suffice it to say that the seven heads are guilty of blasphemy because they're putting themselves on an equal level with God in terms of power that they still want to possess or how they still want to downplay the importance of God no matter how, who, what or who they are. From that, we can see how so many in power have been guilty of just those two things over the years. Whether there's any correlation there is, is totally speculative in my mind. Let's move on. We're still mired in verse 2, there where we have the, the traits or the characteristics of the beast. He looked like a panther. Is there any parallel here between uh, Revelation 13 and Daniel? You may find it in chapter 7. You almost have to read chapter 13 with a bookmark on on Daniel 7 anyway. This may help you give some or give you some fill in on the traits of the wild beast as we said. Daniel 7 says it in the form of a leopard while Revelation 13 says panther. They're the same Greek words here, okay? I, I, the, in 7.5, in Daniel 7.5, there is a second beast like a bear. Now I am purposely avoiding what empires these two could perhaps represent. The description of looking like having the mouth like a lion could parallel to, to Daniel 7 verse 4. All of these, by the way, are in Daniel's dream from Daniel chapter 7. Now while all these descriptions may be encompassed into one man, who might that man be? In my mind, I think it has to be the Antichrist, okay? This is the incarnation of Satan, if you will. So let's look at chapter three, or verse 3. Out of the seven heads had been wounded, as said at the outset. Wounded mortally by the sound of it, the way the description is of it. But it lived. Did that beast or that head die and be brought back from the dead? No. Satan cannot raise anyone from the dead. Was this done to create a reason to worship the beast? Or to uh, determine what's being said there? Well, long run. Or, or the dragon? Well, maybe. Verse 3 of our reading said that the healing of that mortal wound caused the world to marvel at the beast, but worship the dragon. And since the dragon had given his authority to the beast, for the time being anyway, the world worshipped the beast. Preposterous, you might say. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 11 says this, God will send them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. And don't we have quote unquote healers today? Now, please understand, I am not putting faith healers on the level of the dragon or Satan here. But, don't you see a lot of people marveling at men and women who are supposedly healing folks of, of cancer and other life-threatening diseases today? That, that's all I'm going to say on that, okay? I'm not going to get into that can of worms. But I think you get what I'm saying here. Yet look at... This from another perspective. 
Satan is being made to look like he is raising the beast from the dead. Who's he trying to emulate there? Any, any thoughts? Any ideas? Well, it's our God, of course. As he raised Jesus from the pains of death. Sad that many will believe that arguably the Antichrist, maybe he isn't but a precursor anyway to the Antichrist. But either way, many will believe in this false resurrection that will take place. But they'll refuse to believe in the true resurrection of Jesus. Sad, isn't it? Look to verse 5. This wild beast was going to be speaking great and wonderful things. Many of the world would be falling for and for 42 months, plenty of time to win people over that might have been over the, on the fence over to his side. Though for the life of me, I don't understand why. And yet, I mean, why not? Think about it. This was to be the resurrected Messiah of the world, Right? This guy was going to sound so believable. And for a season, he was going uh, for a substantial amount of time in this season. But I ask you, how many times do we hear of someone who sounds like they know what they're talking about, only to find out that they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about? They can just shoot the ball pretty good, if you know what I mean. Or maybe somebody in the media, somebody who knows absolutely nothing, and yet they can lie enough about a particular subject to make a lot of people who may not know a whole lot about the, that particular thing to make it sound reasonable, to make it sound real, to make it sound viable. How many folks who believe in God, who call themselves Christians, will follow false teachers of today? We hear these lies day in and day out, and we finally become so inundated with the garbage, we, be, we become numb to it ourselves, perhaps even falling for it ourselves sometimes. We have to be aware, period. But look at Matthew 10, verse 16. Jesus, as he is sending out his disciples to an unsaved world, tells them and us today that as we go into the world, we are to sheep sent out into the midst of wolves. But we are to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. What a drastic difference between those, isn't it? And yet, we must be prepared to go into an unbelieving, uncaring world to bring the truth of the gospel to a lost and dying world. On top of that, verse 6 says that the beast whom so many are believing in will be speaking blasphemy about God and the church and his people. To me, this is saying that there will be a remnant of God's people still left on earth, though I would expect that not all is going to, that's going to be a popular concept for a lot of people, nor are a lot of people going to agree with me on that. That's okay. But there have, to, there have to be many left, in my opinion. I mean, look at verse 7. The beast would be given authority to make war against the saints of every race, nation, creed, and language. And those who are not saved, who are not of the remnant, 
Everyone whose name is not in the book of life, it is said, they will be believing in this smooth-talking beast and his words. Now, you talk about a one-world religion that many have clamored for over the years. Does it not sound like at that, that may be what's happening at that particular time? To me, it does. This may perhaps be the darkest period of world history. But you see, this is coming. At some point in time, this is coming. But maybe it isn't in all in one fell swoop. A lot of people think it that way. Maybe, maybe it takes longer than that. Who's to say that some of these events will not be taking place within a culmination at some precise chosen historical point? I wish I could say, but honestly, I just can't. We must be on the ready, you and I, always though. Look lastly at verses 9 and 10. How many times have we heard, if a, if a man has, an, has ears, let him hear? Is this saying that even those who aren't worshiping the beast could still have a chance if they have ears to hear? I'd have to say it does. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, the word of God will still be here even though the beast will be blaspheming against God and his word. It'll still be here. We say the grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our God will stand how long, folks? Forever, right? That's not until this time period. This is not a, it has no limitations to it. The word of our Lord will stand forever. To that end, it will outlast the 42 months or however long all this blaspheming is going to take place, even until the gates of hell are unlocked and Satan and his henchmen will be placed there eternally. But everyone needs to be given a fair shot at hearing. And that's where you and I come in today, now. The rest of Revelation 13, 9 and 10 is addressed to the saints who will be left. Maybe it means us today as well. I don't know. I wish I could say. Those that lead into captivity will be put there themselves. I believe that that means hell is waiting not only for Satan and his henchmen, but for the unbeliever. Look at the coming, looking at the coming weeks, we'll see about how man will be able to buy and sell doing basic commerce. And while we have seen national issues with traveling and all this, this time it is going to be universal. It will be more permanent. After all, the silver-tongued beast will be overseeing everything. God tells his people... Don't resist. Let, let these things take place. But be patient. Know that it's all going to be okay. Just keep your faith. And that, folks, are words for us even today. Stay the course. Sometimes it looks bad, but I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And those 
are words we can take to the bank. Those words represent the good news of the gospel. Live in its peace now and especially forevermore. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you again for this message that uh, I know is complicated and yet at the same time, in some ways, it's very, very simple. We've got the, the dragon's going to be coming. He's bringing the beast with him. And there's going to be a lot of bad stuff in between that we have to be ready for. And whether that happens in our lifetime or not, I don't know. I can't say. And yet we have to prepare the next generation. We have to prepare our children. We have to prepare our friends, our neighbors. We have to prepare even those that we do not know. They need to hear the sweet name of Jesus. And it's going to be up to us to bear that name out to others. So bless us to that end. Lord, motivate us, inspire us to do your work. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.